the Holy Spirit described it as strange fire. Referring to what we find in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number 1. If you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Leviticus chapter 10, verse number 1. This is a story, the story about two priests, Nadab and Abihu. And many of us may be familiar with these two men. And many of us may also be familiar with this story. It's an interesting story. It's actually a scary story. That's at least how I feel about it. It's a story that actually involved a lot of fire. It's a story that began prior to Leviticus chapter 10. I want to go back to Exodus chapter 24 for just a moment. Our study this morning is going to be primarily from Leviticus chapter 10. But I want you to look at Exodus chapter 24 where we can learn some things about Nadab and Abihu. We're going to be able to learn some valuable lessons today about our Father in heaven, about worship, and how we approach our King in heaven. But I want you to take, I want you to see some details about Nadab and Abihu that maybe some of us may not be familiar with before we get to what took place in Leviticus chapter 10. In Exodus chapter 24, beginning in verse number 1, we read about Nadab, Abihu, Moses, Aaron, and a number of other men. And watch what they were able to experience. The Bible says in verse number 1, Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with them. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all of the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now watch what happens. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. What an amazing experience that must have been for Nadab and Abihu, Moses and Aaron and these other men to be in the presence of God in that manner. I can only imagine what that would have felt like or what that would have been like for these men. As we continue along in this journey, and I want you to see that where uh, these men saw something amazing. They saw something great. And Nadab and Abihu, they would in the process of time become priests to the Lord. When you go back to the book of Leviticus, look over in Leviticus chapter 8. And I want you to notice, and we're going to read a number of passages here before we get to Leviticus chapter 10. We find that Nadab and Abihu, they would become priests to the Lord. We find that Moses would follow the prescription that God had given them. In fact, there's a pattern that we find in Leviticus chapter 8 and in Leviticus chapter 9 where God would make commandments or give commandments to Moses and Aaron and these two men, and they would do exactly as the Lord commanded them. 
In Leviticus chapter 8 and verse number 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull of the sin offering, and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Watch verse number 4. So Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. We find up until this point in the story, the Nadab, Abihu, Moses, and Aaron, they were following the word of God. They did exactly as God commanded them. Look at verse number 9. He also placed a turban on his head, and on the turban at its front, he placed a golden plate, the holy crown, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Look at verse 13. Next, Moses had Aaron's sons come near and clothed them with tunics and girded them with sashes and bound caps on them, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Look at verse number 17. But the bull and its hide and its flesh and its refuse, he burned in the fire outside the camp, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Look at verse number 21. After he had washed the entrails and the legs with water, Moses offered up the whole ram and ram and smoke on the altar. It was a burnt offering for a soothing aroma. It was an offering by fire to the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There's a lot of fire in this story. Verse number 29. Moses also took the breast and presented it for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse number 31. You know what it's going to say, right? Then Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Boil the flesh at the doorway of the tent of meeting and eat it there together with the bread, which is in the basket of the ordination offering, just as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. Verse number 34. The Lord has commanded to do as has been done this day. They were doing exactly what God had commanded them. In verse number 36, thus Aaron and his sons did all the things which the Lord had commanded through Moses. Do you see that? You see the pattern that we find time and time again? I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to hold on. In Leviticus chapter 9, Nadab, Abihu, Moses, Aaron, these men, they recognized that what God wanted them to do, that's exactly what they would do. In Leviticus chapter 9, I want you to notice in verse number 6, Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Verse number 7, Moses then said to Aaron, come near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering that you may make atonement for yourself and for the people. Then make the offering for the people that you may make atonement for them just as the Lord had commanded. Look at verse number 10. The fat and the kidneys and the lobe of the liver of the sin offering. He then offered up in smoke on the altar just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse number 21. But the breast and the right thigh Aaron presented as a wave offering before the Lord just as Moses had commanded. The priests were to know, and they knew exactly what it was that God wanted them to do. They knew about these offerings. They knew how to present these offerings to the Lord. That would be required of them as the responsibilities that they had. Now watch verse number 24. Then fire came out from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their face. This is a story filled with fire. We find in Leviticus chapter 8 and Leviticus chapter 9, these men were following the commandments of the Lord, and God sent down fire from heaven. And I believe that fire was to demonstrate his approval or his pleasing with respect to what they had done for him, that they were offering the very things that God desired at that time. Can you imagine seeing fire come down like that and burn the offering? 
Can you imagine how good they must have felt to know that what they had done was right in the eyes of God? Then something happened. I don't know how much time passed from chapter 8 to chapter 9 to chapter 10. But there's another kind of fire that would come down from heaven. In Leviticus chapter 10, the Bible says in verse number 1, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Aaron and his sons knew exactly what God wanted them to do. There was a pattern for them to follow. They knew that they could be pleasing to God in heaven. They didn't have to guess. They didn't have to try to figure out, is this going to be okay or is this not going to be okay? They knew he sent fire down from heaven to demonstrate his approval in chapter 9. Yet in Leviticus chapter 10, we find that Nadab and Abihu would offer up strange fire. They did something different. If anyone knew what God wanted, it would have been these men. They knew exactly the prescription that they were to follow. Now, what happened here? There's a lot of different views or thoughts that some people may have. Some have gone to Leviticus chapter 10 and look at verse number 9 or verse number 8. The Lord then spoke to Aaron saying, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute before or throughout your generations and so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. Some have suggested that maybe Nadab and Abihu were drunk or something had taken place like that as they offered up this sacrifice to the Lord. I'm not for sure. But what I do know is that they offered up something that God had not commanded them. And as a result of that, we find that God would destroy them. He would kill them on the spot. We've heard this story, and maybe some of us have heard this story numerous times. It is a story that we should never really get tired of hearing because there are so many valuable lessons for us. In fact, the Holy Spirit did not stop in Leviticus chapter 10. We find that this story is mentioned in other places in the Old Testament. I want you to go over to Numbers chapter 3. In Numbers chapter 3, and I want you to look at a couple of verses here. Numbers chapter 3, and let's look at verse number 2. Numbers chapter 3 and verse number 2, the Bible says, These then are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priest whom he ordained to serve as priest. But Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. So we get another record of what took place earlier on back in Leviticus chapter 10. Turn over to Numbers chapter 26. The Holy Spirit says something again in Numbers chapter 26. Numbers chapter 26 and look at verse number 60 and 61. Numbers chapter 26 verses 60 and 61. The Bible says or the Holy Spirit says here to Aaron were born Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. So Aaron had more than these two sons. But Nadab and Abihu died when they offered strange fire before the Lord. Talk about leaving a terrible legacy. That's your legacy that you offered up strange fire before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, there are some valuable lessons that I think we can learn from these two priests and the sacrifice that they made to God. We serve the true and living God. We serve the same God that they served in the Old Covenant. 
while we're not under the old covenant, we're a part of the new covenant. There is something interesting for us to think about. Remember our study in the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter one. Look at Revelation chapter one and verse number five as we're wrapping up our study of Revelation uh, this week. Remember in Revelation chapter one, the description that is given to the people of God in Revelation chapter one and verse number five. It says, and from Jesus Christ. The faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's a, a, a term that we may not always use to describe ourselves, but we are a kingdom of priests. And, and John would record this again in Revelation chapter 5. Look over in verse number 10. And in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 10. The Bible says here, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. We see this in first Peter chapter two, verses nine and ten, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are the people of God, a holy nation set apart. And so as priests, I'm not saying that we're the same type of priests as Nadab and Abihu and Aaron. We're not. But we are described as being a kingdom of priests. Therefore, as we approach God, as we worship our king in heaven, we need to know some things about our God. Would you agree with that? We need to know how to approach our king in heaven. We need to have the right attitude, the right disposition, and know what exactly it is that he wants us to offer up to him. So there are some valuable lessons that I want us to consider. And for our study this morning, go back to Leviticus chapter 10. And there's one verse that I want to give you that I'm going to ask you to hold on to this morning or to remember Leviticus chapter 10, verse number three. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes so you can study this some more this week. Leviticus chapter 10, verse number three. After Nadab and Abihu offered up strange fire, the Lord consumed them. They died that very moment. Look at verse number three. Then Moses said to Aaron, it is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron, therefore, kept silent. Three thoughts or three observations that will help us to understand more about our father in heaven as we approach him in worship. The first thought is this. When you look at that text, Moses said this, those who come near me. That's what God had said. Those who come near me. Moses reminded Aaron, and he also reminds us that worship is all about God. Worship is all about God. Worship is a great privilege that we are able to participate in. It's an opportunity to come near to the Lord. It's an opportunity to recognize his greatness, his love, his power, his mercy, his grace, his majesty. And it's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. Worship is all about God. Those who come near me, as God would say. Worship is about drawing near to him and giving him the praise, honor, and glory that he desires. And yet Nadab and Abihu, they lost sight on that. Would you agree with that? That at some point in time, I don't know exactly what happened, because they had witnessed some amazing things back in Exodus 24. They had witnessed fire coming down from heaven and in Leviticus chapter 9. But at some point in time, I think they forgot something about God and the one that they were approaching. But maybe we can be too hard on the Israelites because sometimes we can be just like them. We can forget sometimes if not careful. And a lot of people can forget, but if not careful, it can happen. That worship is all about our king. That it's not about us. 
a popular passage that we often use, and rightfully so, we should use as we talk about worship and as we talk about worship uh, as we come together on the first day of the week is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 19. I'm sure many of you could quote this passage at this very moment, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 19. And while this is a good passage, I believe, to talk to people in the world, to help them to see the kind of music, the kind of way that we are to worship our King, there's something also for us, that this is a passage for us as we approach our Father in heaven. In Ephesians 5 and verse 19, Paul would say, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. I want you to look at that last phrase, making melody in your heart to who? to the Lord. And that's a reminder that this is always about God, that as we come together and worship our king, as we give him worship, that it's always about him. And I believe that this was the first problem that Nadab and Abihu had, that they forgot who this was all about. As they came near to the father, if they were really thinking about what they were doing and who they were doing it for, they would have not offered up strange fire. Not if they truly remembered who he is and who he was. This is something that we need to remember as we draw near to him, as we worship him, as we rightfully should. Let's make sure that we remember that it's not about us, that it's always about him. When you go back to that text in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number three, uh, the Lord said to Moses, those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. I will be treated as holy. Nadab and Abihu, they were to present themselves before the Lord in the proper manner. And so it wasn't enough just for them to go before the Lord. He said, if you come near me, (laughs) I'm going to be treated as holy. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number three. I'm going to be treated as holy and I'm going to be given the honor that I rightfully deserve. In fact, the people have been warned about this earlier. Go back to Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 22. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 22. Exodus 19 and verse number 22. Listen to the words here. Look at verse number 21. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down, warn the people so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves or else the Lord will break out against them. There is a proper way of approaching God. There's a proper way of coming before the Lord that he needed to be treated as holy. And what we can say about Nadab and Abihu is that their offer to the Lord, what they sacrificed to the Lord was profane in nature. That may sound strong, but that's exactly what it is, what it was. It was profane. It was unclean. It was unholy. It was disrespectful. It was irreverent in the eyes of God because they offered up something that he did not desire. God is holy. And this is a a theme that we find all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God is holy. Therefore, we cannot just approach him in any manner that we desire. All of the elements of the tabernacle and all of the elements that God would tell Moses to build in the Old Testament and then eventually Solomon and the temple, all of those things were exactly what God wanted at that time. And so everything was to be done according to his way, according to his pattern. Everything was to be done in a holy, respectable way. And yet Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10, they offered up strange fire to the Lord. Those who come near me. I will be treated as holy, and before all the people, I will be honored. Brothers and sisters, as a kingdom of priests, 
There is something important for us to hold on to. As we approach our king in heaven, we must do it in the right way. We don't approach him in just any manner. We have to do it in the way that God desires. We must treat him as holy, which means we need to give him what he has prescribed. We need to know what God has prescribed with respect to worship. In fact, the the priests in the Old Testament, they knew all these things, or they were supposed to know all of these things. When you go back to Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, Leviticus chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, we see this idea here. Actually, look at verse number 17. Leviticus chapter 22, and look at verse number 17. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons. By this time, Nadab and Abihu had already died. And to all the sons of Israel, and say to them, Any man of the house of Israel or of the aliens in Israel who presents his offering, whether it is any of their uh, votive or any of their freewill offerings, which they present to the Lord for a burnt offering, for you to be accepted. It must be a male without defect from the cattle, the sheep, or the goats. And he would give more and more details about exactly what he wanted. You see that? So if you're going to come before me and you're going to offer up a sacrifice, if you're going to come before me and worship me, it must be exactly what I am asking for. I must be treated as holy. You cannot just bring anything before me. That was true then, and that is true today as we approach our Father in worship, that God has always had a prescription for his people. It is the right prescription that should never be tampered with. It is the right prescription that no generic substitute is ever going to work for, is ever going to work. And no, uh, it's, a, it's a prescription that we all have to follow. When you look in the New Testament, what we find, and what I want you to hold on to is this idea of being treated as holy, God being treated as holy, is that we have to know what is it that God actually wants from us. It's not enough for us just to kind of guess and kind of speculate. Well, I think he wants this, but I'm not really for sure. We can know because he's given us a pattern. Just as there was a pattern in the days of Moses, brothers and sisters, friends, in every age, God has given his people a pattern. In every age, he's given his people a pattern to follow. In Genesis chapter 4, remember Cain and Abel? What did they do? They came before the Lord, right? They came before the Lord making sacrifices. One was accepted. One was not accepted. Why? Because Abel followed the pattern. He did it by faith. He did it, he did it with the way, the way that God wanted him to do it. Well, we don't have all the details about Cain. His sacrifice was not accepted. There was a pattern for those men to follow. In the Old Testament, as we're seeing here, and I'll give you another example of this. Go back to Exodus chapter 26 and verse number 30. In every age, God has given his people a pattern of what it is that he desires. And if we're going to come before him and treat him as holy, then we must follow the pattern that he's given us. In Exodus chapter 26 and verse number 30, as God was given instruction to Moses, he said, then you shall erect the the tabernacle according, listen to this, according to its plan, which you have been shown in the mountain. Moses just couldn't, uh, couldn't put the tabernacle together any way that he wanted to. God said, you're going to do it, and you're going to do it the way that I have told you, according to the plan, according to the pattern. In the New Testament, under the New Covenant, look at Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. All throughout the New Testament, we find that God's people, Christians in the first century, there was a pattern for them to follow. Why is this so important? Because if we're going to approach God in worship, we've got to do it the right way. We can't just come before him any way that we want to. He says, I must be treated as holy. 
In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There was a pattern that the saints in the first century were following. In Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7, a passage that I mentioned during the Lord's Supper, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7, the Bible says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged his message until midnight. The pattern, brothers and sisters, that we find with, with respect to the Lord's Supper is that the saints came together on the first day of the week. The saints came together every first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper. Now, this is a big deal, or at least it should be a big deal in our eyes, because who are we talking about? This isn't about us. This is about what is it that the Lord desires from his people. If you're going to come near to me, God says, then I must be treated as holy. And brothers and sisters, there is so much confusion, isn't there, with what God desires. So many churches next week are going to be packed. And people are going to take the Lord's Supper maybe one time in the year. And yet they misunderstand a pattern that we find in the first century, a pattern that we find in the New Covenant, that the saints came together every first day of the week to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, to remember exactly what he had done. In fact, when you look over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, this idea of a pattern for God's people even today to follow. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12 and 13, Actually, verse number 13, I want you to notice the words of the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 13. The Bible says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me and the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Paul was reminding Timothy, and Timothy was to teach this to the disciples, that they were to hold on to the standard of sound words or the pattern that Paul had given him, the teachings of Paul so that they would follow and do exactly what God wanted them to do. Brothers and sisters, if there's no pattern for us to follow today when it comes to worship, then why did Paul write the letter to the church in Corinth and have to correct so many of the things that they were doing? That's because there's a pattern for us to follow. And if there is no pattern, then how can we retain the pattern of sound words? We're not under the old covenant. I want you to make sure that's very clear. But God is still holy. And as we approach him... God says, I must be treated as holy. Nadab and Abihu, they offered up strange fire to the Lord that was profane, that was unholy, that he did not desire. God wants his people to offer up exactly what it is that he has given us in his word. And if we're ever going to approach him and be pleasing in his sight, then we must do exactly that. To add or to take away is a big deal. To avoid strange fire, we have to recognize this point that worship is about holiness and honor to the Lord. And to add to the prescription God has provided for us in the New Testament, that's not going to give him the honor that he deserves. Now, somebody may be thinking, well, come on, we already know all this, right? I mean, look, we, what we've done here this morning is the prescribed pattern, right? Why do we have to continue to talk about this? We all get that. Well, here's what can happen, and this is what has happened. I'm sure we know some, uh, some people that have unfortunately fallen into this, where we can all start off with what's called a spoken understanding, right? We know exactly what God wants when it comes to music, that he wants acapella singing, right? We start off with a spoken understanding. But in the process of time, we kind of stop talking about it, and we get to what's called an unspoken understanding. And so we're not really talking about it, but we still are on the same page. 
But then in the process of time, we get to what's called an unspoken misunderstanding. Somewhere along the line, something has changed from over there. And then before you know it, we get to a spoken misunderstanding. You see how that can happen? And that has happened with God's people from time to time. And so we need to understand that if we're going to approach God, if we're going to go near to the Lord, then we must treat him as holy. And what that means is that we must give him what it is that he desires. When you go back to our text in Leviticus chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu, they did not do that. They offered something that was not commanded by God. And as a result of that, they were they, they, they died. They were consumed by fire. Now, I want you to look at the last part of verse number three. The Bible says, so Aaron, therefore, kept silent. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number three. Moses said to Aaron, it's what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron, therefore, kept silent. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit included that in the text. I can't imagine, but try to imagine what Aaron must have felt like losing two of his sons by fire. His firstborn son. If you're Aaron, what do you do? You know that God has just killed your two sons. What do you do if you're Aaron? You know that they were wrong. So do you get angry with God? Do you fight against the Lord? Do you try to rebel? Aaron didn't do that at all. Instead, it says, as Moses was relaying these words from God to Aaron, Aaron kept silent. Moses would remind Aaron how serious the situation was. This situation, this event, this strange fire was so serious that Aaron and his family could not shed any tears. Whoa. Wait a second. Two of my boys have just died. And I can't cry at all. God said no. In Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number four, Moses would call some of the family members of Aaron and he would say, come forward, carry your relatives away from the front of the sanctuary to the outside of the camp. So they came forward and carried them still in their tunics to the outside of the camp, as Moses had said. Then Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes so that you will not die. And that he will not become wrathful against all the congregation. But your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, shall be well the burning which the Lord has brought about. Aaron and his two boys, they were not to cry. Which helps us to see that this strange fire that was offered by Nadab and Abihu was not just some type of hiccup in the eyes of the Lord. It was an insult. It was unclean. It was profane. I don't know about you, but I'm a little scared after reading this story. Because we serve an awesome God. And I'm scared because there are so many people in the world today that have this strange fire mindset. What's the big deal if we have a band? I played the trumpet in high school. I never got the first chair, but second chair was decent. I could play the trumpet, right? What's the big deal if we have musical instruments and worship? Hey, what's the big deal if we have a praise team? What's the big deal if we have a dance team or a mime team? Not making that up. People have that. 
So many people today have the strange fire mentality that they can just offer anything they want to the Lord. God's going to accept it. God says, no, you will offer up what I desire. You don't get to decide. We don't get to decide what we're going to offer up to the Lord and say, well, God, you just have to accept this. God says there. This is what I want. And this is what I want you to follow. But it seems that more and more that God has been drowned out. His word has been drowned out by the guitars, the drums and all of the dancers. Maybe it's time for people to follow Aaron. And just be silent. Listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say in his word. What is it that God desires of it, from us? What is it that God wants? Maybe we need to follow the pattern of Aaron and remain silent. God said, this is what I want, Aaron. And Aaron remained silent and he listened to God. But it's not just people in the world. Brothers and sisters, there's a danger for us. Do we truly fathom the magnitude of coming before the Lord? Worship is not an opportunity to catch up on sleep. It's not an opportunity to try to figure out where we're going to go grocery shopping and pick up at the store afterwards. We are coming before the presence of the almighty God. Worship is a big deal. And as we come before our king, do we truly recognize how he must be treated as holy and given honor? Somebody may say, well, listen, we have all the right elements. Well, yeah, that's that's true. I believe we do. I believe we're following the pattern that we find in the New Testament with our singing and with the Lord's Supper and with our praying and with our Bible teaching and with our giving and the day and the frequency when we come together upon the first day of the week, as we find in the first century. Yet there's still more. What about our hearts? You see, we can walk into this building every first day of the week and just kind of go through the motions of not careful. God also wants our hearts Singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart or singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Part of the problem of the Israelites all throughout the Old Testament. You read like Jeremiah chapter 26. The people were going to the temple to worship and God told Jeremiah, you stand right outside the temple and you preach to them that they need to repent. Wait a second. They're going to the temple to worship. We have the temple. That was our mindset. We have the temple. We have the temple. But God says your heart's not where it's need, where it needs to be. We can't just come here and just kind of go through all the motions. We're coming before the true and living God. And God says, if you're going to come before me, then you must offer you. I must be treated as holy. And we need to truly understand what it is that we're doing before our king. Nadab and Abihu, they had a heart problem. Worship disorder. They failed to realize some things about their God. And that led them to offer up strange fire. That is something that we have to avoid at all cost. Strange fire is not accepted to God. There's a pattern for us to follow, a pattern of who worship is for, a pattern of how we approach our king, a pattern of our mindset, a pattern of what we offer. And we must make sure that we continue to listen to our king, which means we're going to have to be silent. And we can't argue about what the Holy Spirit has said in the New Testament about what God desires from us. We need to remain silent and offer up what God wants from us to ignore this reality is heading down the path of strange fire. Indeed, we serve an awesome God. Let's be careful as we come before him and worship. Let's make sure we take it seriously as we come before him 
to give him glory, honor, and praise. Sadly, there's other examples that we could give with respect to strange fire, where people say things or do things that God has never even commanded. And sadly, one of those examples is when it comes to salvation. You ask most people today what they need to do to be saved. They say, you say this prayer, you receive Jesus in your heart, and you will be saved. Brothers and sisters, friends, that is strange fire teaching. Because the Bible says, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Jesus would go on to say, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. There's a pattern even to follow to receive God's amazing grace. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching, a pattern, a standard of teaching to which you were committed. Those in the first century, they followed the pattern to receive the amazing grace of God. They heard the good news of Jesus. They responded with repentance, and they were baptized for the forgiveness of sins. That's the same pattern that we must follow today. And if there's someone here who needs to do that today, we beg you, we urge you, we encourage you to do that. But you still have time. If that's you, come now as we stand and as we sing.